thank you, our Father, for how you bless us, and we sing hallelujah, Christ our hope. Thank you for this. Amen. Be seated. It's my privilege to welcome our speaker today, Mark Vincent, uh, down from St. Catharines. We know him because he has a history in the church. He was one of our interns, helped to plant one of our church, uh, our, well, our only church, Lightway Church, that was planted several years ago. And uh, but it's just been a great friend of our staff, and we've got to know him in that way. Pleased to have you back again, Mark. Come and minister God's word to us. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, my wife and I uh, and my kids were here this morning with you, and as we were driving in, we realized it's been like 20 years since I was an intern here at uh, Houston or James North, and uh, so many good memories here. Um, this week, uh, my family and I we pulled out the Yahtzee game. Who's played Yahtzee? Yeah, if you haven't played Yahtzee, you're missing out. But we brought out the... No one agreed with me? Um, but we brought out the Yahtzee box, and uh, we started playing. And as we took out that little can with the dice and started shaking it and dropping it on the table, it brought me right back here to Coffee's On. I know you guys still do Coffee's On, but every single week, it was like the highlight of my week was to come and to hang out with our neighbors and play Yahtzee. And so such a good memory of just walking with neighbors here in the North End and loving them and serving them. And I hear you guys have a ton of people that you're caring for with, with food help. And that's so encouraging to see that that is continuing to go on here at James North. Uh, I want to start off with asking a question to you. And the question is this. How easy is it for you to ask for help? How easy is it for you to ask for help? I think if we were to look through uh, a, like life stages, we would see different levels or, or openness to ask for help. Uh, I remember when my kids were super little, right? They not only needed help, they wanted help. They wanted help with eating, with playing, with walking, with doing everything. They needed and they wanted that help. I remember there were times where I would be in the room with my kids and they were super little and my wife was off in the other part of the house and they would ask for help and I would jump in to help and they would like, no. No, we want mummy's help. And I would just be rejected right there. It's all right. I'm still getting over it. I'm doing well, though. Thanks for your consideration and care for me. And then you see things change over the years, right? You bump into teenage and young adult years, and there's this kind of a fierce independence that grows up in us, isn't there? There's this idea that we have it under control. We don't need people's help. I remember when I was a teenager, kind of late teenager, uh, something dawned on me, and I was just very surprised by it. It was this, that I knew more and better than my parents. I, I couldn't understand it. How were my parents so old, and yet I knew better, and I knew what to do, and I didn't need their help. I didn't need help from other people. I could do it on my own. And then as the years roll on, some of you realize this, as the years roll on and life happens, when you face difficulties and circumstances, you realize, I think, you realize more as life goes on how, how much you actually do need help. You hit those life circumstances, those difficulties, and you realize that you're more vulnerable than you previously thought, that you aren't in control, that you, that you need help and security. I think that's a very typical kind of process in our life or, or progress in our life. Uh, and maybe you can relate to some of that. And I even think in some of those stages, you would see even ups and downs. Even us as adults, there are times when we would be more open to help. 
and other times when we kind of have that fierce independence that we want to do things on our own and we don't need anyone to help us through these things. Life is not always easy, right? As, as, as we think of this, of asking for help, life is not always easy. Uh, life face, we face difficulties and circumstances, whether it be with family or with, or with our spouse and our marriage or, or in a workplace or mentally, whatever the case may be, life is difficult. It's difficult to face. It's difficult to navigate through. And that makes it even more difficult to ask for help. And, and I think there's one other thing that makes it difficult to help ask for help, it's that sometimes we feel like we have to have it all under control. We think that if we ask for help, that means there's something wrong with us. That what are people going to think if they look at me and realize, oh, that guy needs help, there must be something wrong with him. We kind of have that emotion, that kind of human idea built inside of us. So, so let me come back to that question. How easy is it for you to ask for help? I'm not sure what you're facing here today, what you're facing in your week coming up, in your family and work and school. How easy is it for you to ask for help? What I do know is that, uh, and I'm confident in this, is that we all need help. <laughs> Every single one of us. And the reason I know that is because we are finite beings. We are not in control. We are created beings. We think we don't need help at times, but we need help. And so where does our help come from? I'm going to ask you to open up and join me in Psalm 121. It's a great psalm, so open up your Bibles or turn them on. Psalm 121. And, and this is a psalm that's called a psalm of ascent, an ascent psalm. And this is a psalm that would be sung by God's people, Israel, as they made their pilgrimage from wherever they were in the land towards Jerusalem, to the temple to worship. Ascent, meaning that they were ascending, they were going up to Jerusalem. And as we can imagine, traveling back then is a little bit different than traveling now. There's no air-conditioned cars, no paved highways, no rest stops to let the dog out, no hotel with the memory foam mattress. Traveling was difficult back then, and it was full of insecurities and challenges, hills, valleys, deserts. And, and, and the threats they encountered were many. It's well known that when they traveled through the different hills or the valleys, there would be thieves hiding out in the caves or around the bend who would jump out and pounce to, to steal from you. At, at times, they would be fully uh, exposed to the scorching sun, just beating down on them and draining their energy. And speaking of energy, that travel, it's not easy like our travel. It's demanding, it's stamina, it's energy, it's hard work. And so what the God's people did was they would sing these songs to encourage them, to keep them going through that difficulty, but also to prepare themselves for when they finally reach Jerusalem to worship God at the temple. And so we're going to look into this psalm, and, and my hope and my prayer is that as we look into this psalm, we would be encouraged to know where we can turn for help and what does that look like, how, how we can be confident in that. So you're there. Your Psalm 121, and uh, as I walk through this, we're going to walk through it together, and what we're going to see is we're going to see one simple question, we're going to see one true response, or one true answer, and we're going to see three self-preached sermons. So we're going to see one simple question, one true answer, and three self-preached sermons. So follow along with me. He's, uh, David writes this, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, where does my help 
come from? That's what we're asking. Here, David's realizing the vulnerability that they're facing, and the question comes up, very simple question, where does my help come from? Have you ever found yourself asking that question? Maybe you're asking yourself question that today or this week or this coming week. Where is my help come from? And it's a common question we ask. Now, we may not ask it verbally. We might not actually form it that way. But when we face difficulty, when we face stresses or problems in our life, we naturally tend to look somewhere to find help, to somewhere or someone. And so where do you, where do you typically look for help? Where do you fix your eyes? Where do you place your attention when you're going through those times? Maybe it's a spouse. That's a good place. Maybe it's a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Good place. Maybe it's trying to find your help from yourself. It's kind of like a self-help. I'm going to help myself through this, through this thing. Maybe you find help in your job or, or in, in um, your money or your accomplishments or your possessions. The reality is it's not if we look for help someplace. It's, it's where do we look for that help? And so where do you look for help and security as you navigate life? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting some of those things I just mentioned. I, I look at my life, and I so appreciate the people in my life who have helped and walked with me. Thankful for my wife. Thankful for good friends. Thankful for a mentors in my life right now. And so happy, and, and, and I look back, and, and I don't even want to think about what my life might have looked like if I didn't have those people helping me along the way. So I'm not discounting that. But the question I'm asking is, where is our ultimate source of help? Is it the people around us? Is it things that we have, our possessions, our job? Or is it somewhere else? Here we see in verse 2, David continues on and answers the question with this one true answer. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I love how quickly he answers. It's not like beating around the bush. It's not like hum and hawing. It's like, what's, here's the question. Boom, here's the answer. Simple, emphatic, confident answer. My help comes from the Lord. That's where the eyes should be placed. That's where the, our focus and attention should be. Now, notice there's a couple aspects here I want to draw out for us as we hear this one true answer. The first is this. The Lord is des- described as the maker of heaven and earth. And we kind of sung about that earlier on in some of our songs. The Lord is the one who made everything. With, the, with a spoken word, he simply spoke and things came into existence. Isn't that incredible? His, his powerful and his might and his sovereignty and the fact that he is eternal, he is outside his creation, it shows his power and his might as the creator. I, I find it interesting that when we look for help, uh, I'm here too, we often go to created things to find help. And again, some of those places are good. But it's interesting where we often and quickly go to created things as opposed to the creator to look for that help and that guidance through that difficult time. So so on the one side, we see that he is powerful and mighty. He is creator. But then notice the other thing that we see in this verse. Notice the personal reality of this help that David talks about receiving from the Lord. He writes this. uh, He writes, my help. Not our help as in a general sense, but my help. And what he's speaking of is this personal, individual reality of God's help. It's not generic. It's not a blanket. It's not help from a distance. 
This is personalized, loving, tailored, specific help for you and I. And I love that. There's this intimate and practical care of God, the presence of God. And what we see in this one true answer, I think is really important. What we see is two aspects. We see that he is powerful, that he is creator, that he is sovereign and eternal. And there's a word for that. God is transcendent. And, and that right there is, is enough for us to say, oh yeah, my help needs to come from him. He's, he's my true source of help. But there's something else. Not only is he transcendent and creator and sovereign and powerful, he is also near and loving providing personal care and protection, God is imminent. And I think those two things are so important for us to remember as we seek to find our help. Where does our help come from? The one who is powerful and creator. And not only that, he is that and he is near. He is present. He knows what you are going through. He knows what you are facing. He knows the stress and the worries and the difficulty that you are facing in your life right now. And it's good to know that he is powerful and near in those times. So there's this one question, where does my help come from? The answer, my help comes from the Lord. And now we look at three self-preached sermons is what I call it. Kind of got this outline, I borrowed this from someone, I love how that said though. Three self-preached sermons. And what I mean by that is now that it's been declared that the Lord is my help, the psalmist now preaches to himself, convinces himself, reinforces them that this declar- reinforces the declaration that the Lord is my help. Uh, have you ever talked to yourself? Uh, again, that's not a good thing to do out in public and out loud, but have you ever talked to yourself? You know, we, we talk to ourselves a whole lot. Not out loud, but we talk to ourselves a ton. <laughs> We, we sometimes get some bad things that we talk to ourselves about or reinforce in our lives. And, and what, what the author's doing, what the psalm's doing, as the Israelites are singing this, it's the idea that they're declaring to themselves the truth of God. They're reinforcing, reinforcing the truth that the Lord is the helper. They're building confidence. It's almost as if it's one thing to think of something. Oh, yeah, I... The Lord, he's my help. He's the maker of heaven and earth. It's another thing to believe it, to own it, to, to, to trust in it, to lay your life into it. And that's what's happening here. The truth is stated, and now it's the kind of the, the encouragement to why this is important, why to keep doing this. And, and what we see in here in these kind of three sermons, these three verses, is looking to the past, it's looking to the present, and it's looking to the future. Now, now, before I walk us through those, you'll notice a word over and over used. Uh, I'm not probably going to say this right. The original word is something like shamar. But the word is translated in English as to keep or to watch. You'll see it, you see it written there, right? He who watches, he will keep you, he will watch over you. It's the same original word that's used over and over again. And the idea is that the God is the one who protects and preserves us. And so what we see in these next few verses is that God has preserved us in the past, he does so in the present, and he will do so in the future. And so let's look at here verse uh, 3. It says this, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Sorry, the next two verses. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
And, and right there, he's talking about Israel. And David looks back onto God's covenant with his people, that God would bless and care for his covenant people. David looked back to their history and reminded himself, okay, what did God do? God, God preserved them in Egypt. He rescued them from slavery and brought them out through the water, uh, walked them through the desert, providing direction and food and water. God brought them into the promised land. He showed his might and his power, provision time and time again. He kept them. He watched over them. He helped them. And so David, as he looks to the past and reminds, okay, how did God look over Israel? How has he done that in the past? He reminds them, oh, yeah, he won't let my foot slip. You might have the idea here of walking down a, like a rocky path. And maybe there's a cliff on one side, and you're walking along, and, and life gets difficult, and you almost wonder, am I going to fall here? Am I going to lose my footing, and, and is it going to be the end of me? And what David reminds himself is how God has cared for Israel. He won't let my foot slip. This will not be my ultimate doom. And, and what's, what's more um, is the idea that he is not a finite being like you and I are. We have friends that we reach out for help. That's great. But God is one who is not finite. He does not go to sleep. He doesn't punch in or punch out. He doesn't, he's never off duty. He's never not aware of what you are going through. And David realizes this as he looks back into the past of how God has been faithful. And I think for us, practically, how do, what, what could that look like? Well, I think one, two things I'm going to suggest. The one is that we look back ourselves and see how God has been faithful. And one of the ways we do that is open up God's word. And we read, and now we have a bigger picture than what David and Israel had back in the Old Testament. We have a bigger picture. We have the New Testament. We see how God has continued to carry out his plan of redemption to help and preserve his people. We read about the coming of Jesus, second person of the Trinity, God's son, entering his creation, his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. We read about the fact that salvation is found only in Jesus and faith and trust in him. We read about the establishment and the growth of the church rapidly at the beginning and, and over the history of time, seeing the church grow and grow. And so we can look back, just as David did. We have a little bigger picture, but we can look back and see God has been faithful in the past. That's one way we can do it. The second is, how has God been faithful in my life? And maybe you want to think, maybe, maybe this is a good exercise for you to do. Maybe you want to go home and write down or, or think about, how has God been faithful in my life? Look back over your life. How has he saved you? What did that look like when he saved you and brought you to salvation? How has, how has he watched and cared for you and your family over the years? How has he watched and cared for you as a, as a, in your marriage or your family? And it's good for us to remember these things of how God has been faithful in the past. Because when we look back and we see that God has been faithful, it builds a trust in us. It builds a faith in who God is. And God doesn't change. He is faithful. And just as he has been faithful in the past, he is the one who can give us the help that we need now. So that's first. He is faithful in the past. The second is the present. Look at verse 5 and 6. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And here's the acknowledgement of the difficulties of life. 
the, the potential harm that they face, the legitimate concerns, right? Here they are, the Israels are traveling through the scorching sun by day, and I can imagine the sun just scorching down on you. And then in the nighttime, where the dangers, in the moon, where the dangers of having no walls around you, of being uh, exposed to, to different threats. And, and what I love here is that David acknowledges these difficulties and these problems that he's facing. It, it's interesting, he doesn't ignore them. He doesn't pretend like these difficulties aren't there. No, he, he, he acknowledges in them. And even what's more, what's more interesting is he doesn't demand God to remove them. <laughs> he doesn't say, God, okay, take these away. And he doesn't get mad at God for having these things, these difficulties here. And I think that's really important. Sometimes we think that if we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a Christian, that life is going to be good. It's going to be easy. There's going to be no dangers, no difficulties. No, I don't, I'm just going to kind of sail on through. Simply, that's just not true. If you were to look at Jesus' words in John 16, 30, he says this, In this world, you will have trouble. And we live in a world that is broken by sin. The effects of sin is all around us. They're even inside of us. And so uh, it's so important that in, in the midst of this, it's so significant. What we see here in these two verses is that he is present in the present. <laughs> he is here with us. And, and I love the two images, or the, I should say the image that he uses, shade at your right hand. Just break those apart for a second. He is our shade at the right hand. So shade image. Uh, imagine you're walking through a scorching desert and the sun is just beating down on you. What, what the psalm is saying is that God is the one who gives you shade. Now, it's not literal shade, but figurative shade. And, and I love that picture because it's the idea of something between the threat and you. It's the idea that the Lord is standing there between the threat that is coming at you and, and kind of blocking that from hitting you. I love that imagery. And, and the second part is the idea that at your right hand. It's not off in the distance, it's shoulder to shoulder, it's side by side. And so what we realize about the Lord is that he is not one who is off in the distance, unconcerned with what we face. He is one who is right beside us. He is our shade at our right hand. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I go through difficulty, uh, I, I sometimes see that what's in front of me and it just becomes massive. It becomes overwhelming. It becomes all I see. I can't see anything else. I get overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And how good is this to be reminded that God is there, that the Lord is there with you? Because I think when we realize that the Lord is there with us, that he's our shade, that he's at our right hand, when we realize that he is the maker of heaven and earth, it kind of changes our perspective a little bit, doesn't it? The thing that we're facing doesn't seem so big anymore when we've got the creator there with us through the spirit. It's a powerful thing to be remembering that God, the Lord, is there with us. He is our shade at our right hand. Let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time when you've walked through something difficult alone versus when you've walked through something difficult with someone? We know the difference, don't we? When you're walking alone, there's no one there to talk with you, there's no one there to encourage you. There's no one there to pray with you. But then when you walk with someone through a difficulty, it's totally different. They, they give advice. They're walking with you, supporting with you, encouraging you, praying for you. Now, now take that person beside you 
and multiply that exponentially as the Lord. The Lord is the one who is at our right hand. And that's so encouraging as we seek that help. It gives us that faith and that trust to rely on him and seek our help from him. Lastly, David looks to the future. Follow along with me, verses 7 and 8. He writes this, and this is what they would have sung. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Uh, Notice the, the repetition of future tense, right? We see the same thing written over and over again, just kind of in different ways. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will watch over you. The Lord will watch. Sometimes we're a little slow, at least maybe you won't admit it. I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm a little slow. Sometimes things don't get quite in. Uh, Lately at our house, uh, when I'm in the middle of doing something, my kids or my wife will start to try to talk with me. And you know when you're in the midst of doing something, you kind of hear it, but it doesn't kind of penetrate, and you're kind of doing stuff, and they're getting frustrated, and then they're telling me again and again, and finally it kind of breaks through. Finally it penetrates, and I actually listen. (laughs) And that's kind of what I see here. It's kind of this repetition. Sometimes we're just slow. (laughs) And so this repetition is kind of causing us to penetrate into our hearts to say, okay, he will do this. He will do this. He will do this. This is something you can bank your life on. He will keep you. He will watch over you. There is no doubt. And so I think God knew that Israel was a little slow, (laughs) just as we are slow. Hey, I'm going to repeat this so that you hear this, so you understand this, so you accept this. And look at what he watches and keeps us from. Look at each phrase. The first phrase, it says, is from all harm. Any harm that could come your way in whatever fashion, whatever it looks like, over your life is a second phrase. In its entirety, from your birth to your death, anything at any time in your life, your coming and your going, in every circumstance, anywhere you are, whether you're here or there or Jordan or wherever, everywhere you may be. Um, And the last phrase is this, for uh, now and forevermore, for all of eternity. Talk about all-inclusive. Talk about the idea that God has our future in his hands. Now, you and I, we like to be in control. We like to know what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and this next week. We like to plan for every eventuality. We want to be able to dictate how our life happens And however hard we work at that, the reality is we are not in control. We do not know what will happen this afternoon, let alone 5 or 10 or 50 years from now. But there is one who does know the future. There is one who does know what will happen. And that is the eternal one. The one who created all things. The one who holds all things together. The one who is carrying out his plan which includes you and I. And so with the uncertainty of whatever the future may have, we as his people, as sons and daughters of God through Christ, we can rest in his arms. We know that the future is in his hands. He knows all things, and he is the one who can truly watch over us. He is the one who can truly help us as we navigate life. And I know this, and we know this, from with absolute certainty. Do you know why? You know why we know this with absolute certainty? It's because that Jesus has gone before us to accomplish this. What Jesus has done to keep us, to, to save us, to keep us, to help us, to preserve us. 
Jesus faced the ultimate of danger, the sins of the world, the cross, death, and he was not defeated. He rose from the dead, demonstrating that sin and death and any difficulty does not have the final say. Our lives, if we are in him, are kept, watched over, and preserved. And because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, we know with certainty that he is the one who can help us. He is the one who knows the future and can, and can secure our future. And so we're reminded this morning as we look into Psalm 121 that we, ha- we see this question, where does my help come from? We see the one true answer, my help comes from the Lord. And then we see three sermons that we preach. And maybe you want to preach these to yourself. Okay, the Lord's been faithful in the past. The Lord is present in the present. And the Lord has secured our future. Let me say that again. The Lord has been faithful in the past. He's present in the present. And he's secured our future. This morning where you sit, I don't know what you're facing in life. I don't know what difficulty you may be stressed with or overwhelmed with or finding difficult navigating through. My prayer is that this has been an encouragement for you to give you a little bit of perspective as you navigate that. And my encouragement to each of you is that would you turn to him? Would you fix your eyes on him? Would you run to him in prayer? Would you trust him? Would you rest in him? Would you follow him? And what I thought we'd do is we just wrap up my time here. I'm not going to close and pray. I'm not going to pray for you. Uh, What I want to do is just let's have a silent time of prayer on your own. And uh, just a time for you to, to humbly, honestly, on your own, silently, to come before God and just share with, what's, share with him what's on your heart, what you're facing, what you're tr- troubled with. Ask for his help and rest in him. So why don't we do that for about 30 seconds or something? I think at this time the band will come, and after 30 seconds or a minute or something, they'll lead us in singing a few more songs.